Patrick. Patrick. Look at this. <laughs> what is this? He's out of his mind. Hatchet coming out. Oh! Gabrick oh! right over top of Dom. What, what is is he going to get a tripping penalty? What's he going to get? For me, I just want to play hockey, and that's my goal. Just go out, have fun, and play hockey. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Giants in the Crease podcast. I'm really excited for this one because we're going to try and go more in-depth than we have in the previous three. And I'm really excited for the first part, which is breaking down Lindsey Post's CWHL debut with the Calgary Inferno and first is the Kunlun Red Star. So without further ado, let's jump right into this because I just can't wait. So on Twitter, my little preview for this uh, breakdown was that Lindsay Post's debut was promising. Now, if you watch the game, you might be, you might understand and you might not understand, depending on how big you view the uh, overtime goal. For me, though, I'm taking into account the whole game, and while the ending was awful, the rest of the game wasn't. So, what was the good about Lindsay Post's debut? Well, the good was the first period and the third period. In the first period, we saw a Lindsay Post who looked in control of her movements. And one of the issues that I had with her earlier in the summer was that, you know, she was almost over being overactive in her movements, you know, causing her to move around too much because she's good at it. So a goalie that's good at it will want to do it a lot because they know that's what they're good at and that's just how they go. So for Lindsay Pose to kind of rein herself in, control herself, and not put herself in a position to get scored on easily was good. And that's what I liked about it. I mean, she still had that explosive, quick part to her game. She didn't lose it. She just reined it in more and wasn't overly aggressive on her challenge, but still aggressive. You know, she still kept her game, but she just brought it back because in CWHL, the talent increases from what she was usually playing in U sports. So she has to be more careful about passes, especially against a team like Kunlun, where they have, you know, OHL, or sorry, Olympic caliber players on that team. I mean, a lot of those players could be in the Olympics. It's just unfortunate that they're American and Canadian because those rosters are already filled up. So, Kunlun has some great imports and they show it every game how good they are. And it's only honestly a surprise they only have one win out of their four games. Just very surprising. Especially since they have no Aratu in that. So, what was the bad? Well, the bad was the second period. And that's where Post fell into her own... Uh, her, her, her own rookie mistakes. This was kind of her rookie moments, in a way. So in the second period, we saw that she was a little too quick to react. You know, when you're in a new league, making your debut, not completely used to the game speed, sometimes you'll be too slow to react because the game will be coming at you quite quickly. And I've seen that with other rookies and across various different leagues. The game speed goes up, and then they have to adjust throughout the first and second and third periods. For Lindsay Post, though, she kind of almost regressed in a way. Now this is potentially because the uh, Kunlun Red Star finally started to pour it on a little more. I mean, in the first period she only faced one, two, three, four, about five, six, six shots. And then you look to the second period and it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So it didn't increase that much, but the shots did get closer. More shots in close and bigger chances. So that kind of puts the pressure on a goalie. And Lindsay Post, 
maybe was anticipating that pressure, and even if she was, she's still a rookie who's, I mean, this is first her first CWHL game. So her not, or her being taken surprised by the game speed when it suddenly gets ratcheted up two more gears is normal. That's okay. And that's what we're here to discuss. I'm not going to, you know, say it was the worst CWHL debut ever because she couldn't deal with the game speed when it suddenly got ratcheted up in the second period. No. But it is important to look at the second period because now that's something that teams are going to be looking at either in the future. And it's something she's going to need to adjust if she's going to reach her potential of being a CWHL starter. And yes, she can be that. She's just going to need to fix a few of her issues. Now, one of those, of course, I just named was she was too quick to react. And what that means is that she wasn't letting the play come to her. She was, you know, almost anticipating that she's like, okay, this player's going to shoot now. And so she'd go down, but the player either wouldn't shoot or they would shoot and she'd get lucky because if because there was one moment where she went down too early anticipating a shot and then the player held on to the puck dragged it a foot more to get a better angle and scored on an easy goal because Lindsay Post went down early and then immediately lost her angle because the player kept moving with the puck I mean that's pretty much uh, that that hurts. So that's what she's going to have to do in the future is be more patient and realize that players at this level are going to hold on to the puck, uh, especially the very good ones. They're going to they're gonna be able to hold on to the puck and wait for the goalie to make a mistake. So as a goalie, you cannot be the one to make that first move at this level because even if you have the amazing leg strength that Lindsay Post has, and oh my goodness, can she ever move for a goalie who is six feet tall? I mean, that's just incredible how quickly she's able to move across the net. Her leg strength is just fantastic. But it doesn't matter if you're the one that commits to the shot first because the other players will move the puck a lot faster than you can recover. They'll recognize it, move it, and as you're starting to recover, they'll fire that shot off. And by the time that shot gets to the net, you're still not going to be in position. Or you might get lucky in the case of Lindsay Post, who, like I said, is six feet. So, I mean, she does have the frame to potentially get something in the way of the puck. But in this game, she was just not able to. And that also hurt her on the first goal, where uh, she came out on a sharp angle. And, you know, she kind of showed her hand in a way. She kind of drifted out, and this allowed the Cunlan Red Star shooter to pick their spot because Lindsay Post made the first move. And it's important not to do that as a goal. It's kind of one of the first things you learn. But when you're under pressure against a team with fantastic shooters and you have those, you know, happy feet, it, you kind of want to just play your game and you want to push out and be proactive and be like, okay, I'm going to try and force the shooter. Well, that doesn't necessarily work all the time. And like I said before, especially in the CWHL, because these players are really good and they will burn you if you make a mistake. Now, in the third period, though, she readjusted and reined back her game in, and she put up a very good performance, actually, because her shot total suddenly went up to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 13 shots in the third period while her team was down 3-1. to one. And she did what she had to do. She kept her team in the game. I mean, when you're down 3-1 to one going into the third period, the last 20 minutes of the game, potentially, as a goalie, you're not going to be able to score to tie the game up. I mean, you could, but there's a 99.9% .9 chance that you aren't. So your job is to keep your team in the game, which she did. And she didn't just keep her team in the game by making saves. She kept her team in the game 
by making a pretty big impact actually because out of those 13 shots okay let's see here one two three four five six seven eight of them were shots that were directed into non-dangerous areas so either into her possession or into the corner and the majority of those came on either uh, shots from the medium danger area or shots from the uh, high danger area and she also proved herself to be quite good on shots coming directly off of passes she posted a 2.636 impact rating on passes and the CWHL average is 2.387 so she might have been a little bit over on the impact but I mean that's close enough in terms of average because she also faced a higher pass shot rate than your average goalie in the CWHL the average that you'll see you know shots come at you uh, off of passes is 28.6 percent Lindsay Post faced 34.4 percent of shots coming directly off of passes so she stepped up to the challenge of not having as many clear shots as the average CWHL goalie and succeeded I mean as I said in an article when I talked about the impact rating the important thing is to get the save and then you know the next important thing is to hopefully direct it into a non-dangerous area so you know props to Lindsay Post for for being able to do that because when your team is down three to one and the other team's still not letting up offensively or when you finally when your team finally does tie it and the other team's pushing to get the lead back and you're able to hold on and push into overtime I mean, that's important when you're able to go into that third period and make the same impact or even outduel the top two goalie down at the other end in Noratu that's pretty big and as a young goalie you can look at that you're definitely allowed to look at that and say to yourself I did good uh, this this kind of proves something this proves that the process I've been doing that the process I've been working on is working and showing up in the results now the ugly of course was the overtime goal uh, she didn't play to the whistle she just you know treated the dump in as if that was the end of the game and it wasn't until it went in then it was the end of the game but Lindsay Post has to be better than that that was a huge brain fart right there I and, and she knows it I guarantee you she knows it and the important thing is not to not to dwell on it for too long it happened and you recognize it happened and all you have to do is say to yourself I'm just gonna play past the freaking whistle past the freaking horn every single game now so then that doesn't happen I think that's what she'll do that's what I would do and yeah I mean hopefully we'll get to see more of her hopefully the coach isn't too gun shy because she did play well she's a promising rookie get her in some more games Delaney Bryan is doing rather well as a starter so that allows you to kinda work Lindsay Post in at a decent rate and not have to push her to be the starter because if Delaney Bryan was struggling then you might have to say to yourself okay we need someone to be the starter let's kinda push Post a bit more and see what comes out of it now you can kind of push her in easily give her some more home games you know she stood up against Kunlun she can play against anybody else maybe she doesn't play against Montreal maybe she doesn't play against Markham although I put her up against Markham but you know this this gives Calgary the opportunity to work Lindsay Post in and develop her into the starting goalie that she can be and give themselves another three-headed dragon with Brian Post and LaCasse which will be a thing once LaCasse gets back from the Olympics because she is on the roster so let's move on now 
to a typical topic in the Vegas Golden Knights dealing with another goalie injury. Surprise! Or not? So, Oscar Dansk went down, which means that the Vegas is now down to just one goalie on an NHL contract to Maxime Legasse. So, instead of making a trade because they had to uh, play the next day on on Tuesday, they played Monday. That's when the injury occurred. Then they had to play Tuesday in New York. So instead of making a quick trade, which I don't really blame them too much for that, they called up Dylan Ferguson to sit behind Maxime Legasse. Now Dylan Ferguson was selected in the seventh round, but for me, he's always been more than just you know that goalie selected in the seventh round. I mean, I had him as one of my top goalies in the WHL who I thought would, you know, come in and just take over the WHL and be that you know, top goalie. But so far, it's been a bit of a struggle. Uh, and the first, let's see here. Yeah, his first, um, and his first six games, he didn't post a single quality start. And in fact, he posted three, three really bad starts. That just shows how the struggling went. But in his most recent seven games, he's posted five quality starts, including a stretch of four to start it off. So he's certainly coming into his own right now. And while that, yes, of course, isn't showing in his stats because it's hard to make that up right away, I mean, he, he's coming back. I mean, we're finally seeing Dylan Ferguson come back and be the goalie we know he can be. Currently sitting at a .385 quality start percentage because he only has the five quality starts. And his bounce back and situations aren't good either. Only a .167 quality bounce back uh, start percentage and only a .877 bounce back save percentage. So yeah, the the first half so for the first six games of the season really took a bite out of his numbers. I mean, he's sitting at a minus 8.206 goal saved above average right now. But like I said, it's always important to look at the games themselves. You know keep diving deeper and in this case we see Dylan Ferguson starting to come back as the starting goalie we all know he can be I mean if he comes out and is a top three goalie in the WHO for the rest of the season that's not really a surprise to anybody except for maybe you know hockey fans that dismiss Dylan Ferguson because he was drafted in the seventh round he he deserved to be drafted he deserved to be drafted higher and I'm glad Vegas saw what they had in him and I mean now he gets to make some NHL money so good for him he gets to sit in an NHL game a real NHL game maybe because Legacy uh, let in six goals against the Rangers I'm not sure what the rules are but maybe they give him a shot or like you know what it can't really get any worse we, and we know you're a skilled goalie we know you're probably the second best goalie in our system behind Maxime Zhukov who can't play because he's currently in the USHL. So, it's your time to shine. You're on the ELC. Let's see what you got, because at this point, we really, really don't care. So, I kind of want to see Dylan Ferguson make his uh, NHL debut at the young age of uh, 18 or 19, whatever he is at the moment. Actually, let's quickly look that up so I don't look like a complete fool. Uh, Dylan Ferguson is not 29. He is, in fact, 19 years old. So his debut would be uh, at the age of 19. So kind of crossing my fingers there because I like these moments for goalies. I think you might be able to get a pretty good game out of him, especially with the way Vegas plays defensively. It's pretty impressive how Jared Gallant has gotten them 
to play defensively to not, you know, put the focus on the goalies to be the biggest part of the team. The goalies get to be, you know, a little ways down, which is important for the younger goalies like Subban, Danskin, Lagasse, to not have to be the biggest part of the team. Because while you want, because while at this moment, yes, they do need to kind of be big, you don't want to put too much pressure on them. And it's been working up until this point where we're finally starting to see the cracks of once you get down to your fourth goalie on the depth chart. And at this point, I'm not going to say anything bad about it. You're on your fourth goalie in the depth chart. Come on, that's this will happen to any team. No team can last this long. I don't think any team really has that type of depth, except for maybe the Philadelphia Flyers when everybody is healthy. But other than them, or maybe even the Calgary Flames, because they end up with David Riddich, who's doing really well in the AHL, so who knows, but... Uh, you can't blame Vegas for being down to their fourth goalie on the depth chart and that goalie not being great at the NHL level. At that point, you're getting to either a prospect or someone that's ready to fall out of the uh, AHL or NHL for good. So, hopefully, you know, no more injuries. Everyone comes back and everyone gets their chance in net again. Uh, and let's now go to the NWHL, which finally had its opening season debut which featured some pretty good matchups and was pretty much a good goalie affair I mean all four goalies uh, Brittany Ott, Katie Fischel, Adam Levelet, and Sidney Rossman ended up with a quality start to start out this season I mean that's good compared to last season this is a, this is the kind of start you want because last season was not this season for goalies, no matter how much you love Brian McLaughlin's uh, Isabel Cup final play, it was not a season for goalies up until that game where she found something to absolutely frustrate the hell out of the Boston Pride. Now this year, the biggest start goes to Katie Fitzgerald, who uh, against Boston won 3-1 to and posted a 2.379 goals saved above average in her first game. So the fact that her team won by just two goals shows that she stole the game. Without her, that game is tied going into overtime and who knows what happens then. One lucky bounce and then that's it. It's over as shown by the Calgary Cunlin game in the CWHL. So, Katie Fitzgerald, she's off to a fantastic start. She was named NWHL Goalie of the Year last year. And she's keeping that play up, which is important for the Riveters and important for Fitzgerald to kind of maybe say, hey, you know, the NWHL can be a league for goalies. And I'm going to prove that by absolutely crushing this, crushing it this year and dominating like Florence Schelling does over the SDHL. Um, the next biggest start goes to NWHL rookie Sydney Rossman. Now, Connecticut Whale, they kind of completely redid their goalies. <clears throat> Sorry. Which was important because their goaltending last year wasn't hot at all. But Sydney Rossman, Rossman comes in as a rookie, faces 37 shots on goal. And even though she loses, it doesn't matter because she her her goal saved above average was 1.033 so that just shows that the game instead of being 3 to 2 could have been 4 to 2 she that's a good that's a good NWHL debut cuz when you come in there and you're the goalie that faces the most shots on day 1 on the team that got crushed last year that's the kind of start that you want and now the coaching staff now the fans they can start getting excited like hey maybe we got something in this Rossman person she might be a good goalie for the long run hopefully she is because we've been struggling a little bit since we lost Jamie Leonoff and I hope so too and so far it's a good start it's what you want to start the season and could 
maybe, you know, Connecticut still does win because they failed to score, but it at least gives Connecticut a chance every game and keeps the games close. Makes them exciting and competitive for the fans, which is important because no one likes going to blowouts every game. Especially if you're the team getting blown out every game, then it starts getting really boring really fast, and it's not good for the league as well. So keep it up, Rossman. Keep it going. And then Brittany Ott and Amanda Levelet, they were above average, and their goal saved uh, 0.398 for Levelet and 0.379 for Ott. We'll see those numbers go up, at least for Ott, because... You know, she's been a top two goalie every year that she's been in the league so far. And you expect it for the third year as well. She's not a goalie that's suddenly just going to regress because the Olympians are gone. Her numbers might regress a little bit, but she can still handle a big workload. Or I mean, she faced 32.1 shots uh, per 60. Well... She faced 31 shots her first game, and her shots against per 60 is 32.1. So if she would have stayed in at the extra two minutes, she would have gotten another shot. But, you know, she faced 31 shots. And she came out with a quality start and above-average goal saved. So good start for her as well, especially after the season ended for her last year. She got pulled in the uh, cup final. But here she is again, ready to lead the Boston Pride. And be the starter that they need her to be. So with that in mind, we'll move on to some more NHL news. And Scott Wedgwood traded to the Arizona Coyotes, who are about to use him in their as their fourth starting goalie. I mean, that's... I think... We might actually start to see this a little bit more. You know, teams who are struggling to find that starting goalie, and maybe they maybe they're saying to themselves now that uh, you know, who cares? You know, Vegas is doing it. Why can't we? Why can't we find a goalie, throw him in net, and hope for the best? Why can't we do that? And so I think we'll start seeing some teams start to do this throughout the next couple seasons or for, for however long. Because Vegas started by bringing in Subban. Vegas was like, hey, you know, we know we aren't supposed to be good, but we don't care. So we're just going to grab this potentially good goalie who has been, you know, maybe not the best, but close enough. And we will hope for the best. And I do like this trade because it shows that, you know, they're giving a goalie a chance, and if it doesn't work out, they'll just throw him on waivers, and they'll end up with goalie number six in the freaking minors, which still isn't the high, oh, which would only tie for the most goalies used out of the leagues that I track, which is six leagues, CWHL, NWHL, uh, all three CHL leagues, and the AHL, and only, and there's only been one team that has hit six goalies who have seen ice time, and that's the Everett Silvertips, and I hate you, Everett, because I keep having to add new players onto my spreadsheets, which is annoying, because it just makes more work for me. So, yeah, screw you, Everett, but good for the goalies, good for the goalies, but screw you, Everett. So, Scotch Wedwood, uh, what would you say about his start so far? Eh, their starts, he's getting a chance. None of them are quality starts, but, uh, you know, he's getting a chance. Not getting completely blown out yet. This is his first NHL game action since the 2015 season, where he had... Uh, six games, or sorry, four games, and I had three quality starts out of them. So, props to him. I mean, 2015-16 was a good year for him, because not only did he post that in the NHL, in the AHL, he was 
10th in goal saved above average at 11.110. And there are three other goalies with about 11 goals saved above average. And two out of three of them uh, play significantly more games than Wedgwood. I mean, uh, that, that was a really good season for him. It's really unfortunate, though, that in the 2016-17 season, he only ended up making eight starts because of injuries. And while, you know, in that small sample size, uh, his quality start was only 0.5, he still had a positive goal saved above average. Wasn't huge, but big enough. And he had a really good bounce back. Uh, he had one bounce back start. It was a quality start where he posted a 0.952 save percentage. He just went down with an injury, though, which, of course, forced Blackwood and Appleby to take the majority of the starts for the rest of the year. And then this year, though, he also gets only one start, but it was also a very good start, posting a 2.404 goal saved above average in just one game, where he only allowed one goal on 37 shots. Just incredible. And I think that... Uh, Chayaka saw this and was like, you know what? If Vegas is doing this, my team isn't winning. My team can't win for some reason. Our starting goalie is injured in Ranta. We know he can be good, but he's injured right now. And we don't have faith in Louis Deming and being the starting goalie. So, you know what? We're just going to throw Wedgwood in there and hope for the best. And so far it hasn't been the best, but it's been better than what Deming's brought because Deming is currently sporting a .856 save percentage compared to Scott Wedgwood, who has a... Oh, hold on a second. Yeah, who has a 9 save percentage, 0.9 save percentage. And and in Deming's 7 games, he's at minus 10.3 goal saved above average. So certainly hasn't been a good start for Deming. Wedgwood's been better in a very small sample size, but you know, I mean, he's showing enough that he's going to get some more starts. I mean, their other option is Hunter Mishka, the rookie 20-year-old from the AHL. So their options are kind of limited up top. And I mean, even uh, Hushka hasn't been having the greatest start in the AHL either. Has a mi point, minus .823 goal saved above average per 60 and only a .25 quality start percentage. But... He has potential. They signed him for a reason. I am surprised Hill's not up and playing more. I thought they had a little bit more faith in him. Uh, viewed him as a top prospect, but I mean, maybe they view him so much as a top prospect that they just want him down in the AHL learning. So, who knows what happens. I mean, they tried Aiden Hill at the NHL level. Three starts, .33 quality start percentage. Uh, minus 2.61 goals saved above average. It just hasn't been a happy year in Arizona for goalies right now. But looking forward, it'll improve, especially if Ronta comes back and the team in front of them, I mean, starts playing to the necessary levels that they can. And we'll see better numbers. Maybe Scott Wedgwood. He's the type of goalie that they need. Uh, maybe he finds his game. Uh, he hasn't had a lot of game play in the last three years, or more like two years if you count the 15, 16, 16, 17 season. Uh, in those two seasons, he's only had 36 games played if you count NHL, AHL. 36 games played in two years isn't a lot. That's that's very low. I mean, that's, you know, 36 games played is maybe what you expect out of a goalie in 
one year, you know, taking account injuries and possibly being brought up to sit on the bench behind whoever for injury uh, reasons in the NHL. But that's not a high number, and they're taking a bit of a chance on them. But why not? You're losing a lot of games. The other goalies haven't been good. Why not just grab this guy, and maybe he turns out to be, maybe he plays like Malcolm Subban, and you start seeing lots of promise in him, and all of a sudden your goaltending is looking better. Maybe. Hopefully. What does this mean for uh, Louis Domingue? Well, right now, because of all the goalie injuries around the league, he still might get a chance somewhere else. He hasn't been a starter. He's still young-ish. I think he deserves a chance somewhere else, just like Calvin Picker does. At least one more chance to you know, solidify himself, maybe on a team that isn't terrible or doesn't give up on him looking at you, Vegas. So... Louis Domingue, I mean, he might even make his way to Vegas, which would be interesting because I'm not sure uh, what the injury prognosis is with Oscar Dansk. But if it's bad and if Malcolm Subban is still going to come back, I don't think they drag Dylan Ferguson around with them. I think they go with a trade. And they might take Domingue. Would they bring Pickard back? Probably not. Uh, so. Deming, Hutchinson, Hammond, flip a coin, or, you know, roll a die, assign numbers, and whichever goalie that lands on, just take that one. Because, honestly, they just really need somebody, anybody. No one's going to give up a fantastic goalie. And, I mean, Deming might even find himself in Pittsburgh, who we will talk about later. After... The CWHL Weekend, which featured fantastic goaltending. The goaltending goal news up the wazoo from the CWHL this weekend. Emirates Massmeyer goes into Markham and has two big wins, both in overtime, including one shutout. I mean, for me, she's pretty much the shoe-in for the CWHL Goalie of the Week. I can see why some people might say, no, 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 no. But for me, yes, yes, yes. And the thing about these two wins is that this wasn't Mashmeyer just sitting behind a really good team and taking advantage of the wins. No. She faced a lot of shots. 33 the first game, 36 the next game. I mean, sooner or later, we might have to throw this narrative that Amherst Mashmeyer just plays behind stacked teams out the window. It should have been thrown out a while ago, but it wasn't. So hopefully this is the year. And then, of course, uh, Erica Howe, she only lost her shutout because she was going up against Emmerich Smashmire. One goal had to be scored, and that goal was against Howe. So it sucks for Howe, but, man, she still hasn't let in a goal in regulation yet, so she still has that to hang her hat on, and I would too if I was her. I was just like, hey... Three games in, no regulation goals. I'm amazing. Uh, Norad too. Every game I watch of her, she just seems to be getting closer and closer to being, to breaking into the top one or two of CWHL goals. Because right now, she's still dealing with some uh, rebound issues and getting used to the, the CWHL game. But I mean. Getting used to it means that she, rather than being the top goalie, she's just circling around the top three right now. And it's scary to think that she still has another gear to reach. And when she gets there, Kumlin is going to be almost impossible to beat. It's going to be scary. Uh, I'm just look, really looking forward to that Ratu versus Mashmire uh, game. That'll be fantastic. My favorite goalie news of the week, though, was Sammy Jill Small made her CWHL debut, or, you know, season debut, because her actual debut was back when the league started. But at the age of 41, she stole a win versus Von K. Like, does... She showed those youngins that she's still good. She still got it. 
and that's just fantastic. I mean, she made 34 uh, saves on 36 shots, and what that translates to in terms of uh, goal saved above average is 1.42. So, so she stole the game. I mean, and the difference of one game when you save a goal more than what the average goalie would save, you you stole that game. Vonke probably should have walked out of there with uh, one point, and Sammy Joe Sammy Joe Small said no, 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 like she says to her kids when they want or kid when they want too much candy, no, no, no. She's already taken in that motherly aspect on the ice in terms of leadership and telling the other team no. Because as a, a parent, it's important to say no. And she said no to Vonke and those kids over there. No, you are not scoring an extra goal on me. I'm taking this win home with me. And this makes me the oldest winning goalie in the CWHL at the age of 41. And no one's probably going to be able to beat that in a while because Levante retired and everyone else is still really young. So it's going to take a while. So, ha! So good for Sammy Joe Small. I just love that she keeps on playing. I, <laughs> I, I just love that Sammy Joe Small is still in the league. She's going to keep playing until she's 50. I mean, screw Yager. Yager's going to be done at 44. Sammy Joe Small, she's like, ah, 44, that's still young. 50, now that might be when I have to decide to retire. Oh, I just I just love Sammy Joe Small. She's such a, she's such a fantastic person. And a reporter or a writer or somebody needs to get a hold of her after she retires, immediately after she retires, you need to track her down. I mean, even now, if she's hanging around the rink, track her down. Just start grilling her on goalies from her prime years when she was part of the national team and all the way up until now, really. Just grind her on all the years. Just, just get up in there and be like, we need to know. You're one of the people that knows, and I know she knows because she's commented on some of my uh, tweets when I was doing the uh, greatest goalies of women's hockey reveal. She was making some comments because she knows things, and I want to know those things. Now, last but not least, uh, in terms of uh, you know CWHO week news, weekend news, was Elaine Chuli made her CWHO debut. Yay! And she made it in a big fashion too, with a shutout. 23 save shutout for Elaine Chuli for someone coming off of an injury that took her out of hockey for a whole year. She comes in on a young team and gets a shutout. That's just fantastic. And in her home province too, so really happy for Elaine Chuli. And that's also partially because she did give me that interview. So, you know, a little bit of a uh, little bit of a soft spot for, but I have a soft spot for all goalies. So I'm not too much into favoritism. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Everybody is. Everybody's into favoritism. Trust me. Those people at Ingoal Magazine, huge favoritism over there too. Especially with Eric Omrie and some other people, but that's okay. Everyone is allowed to have favorites. I know I have favorites that seem a little bit ridiculous to others, but that's okay. We're allowed to do that. Now, moving on to uh, our last, or potentially last, depending on how much more I want to keep talking, because we are getting a little late here in time in the 40-plus minute range, is the Penguins backup situation. Starting to take on the uh, revolving door version of it. Um, so Casey DeSmith got recalled after they lost Niemi on waivers. And then was immediately sent down after a relief effort and a blowout loss. Now, I don't know what the Penguins thinking was with that. Were they just thinking, oh my goodness, this kid was terrible, we need to send it back down? Or I, I don't know what the thinking was with that. What's the point of calling him up and then immediately sending him down after he gets killed in a blowout loss? It was a blowout loss. The game was a blowout by the time he got in the net. What what did you really expect him to do? Making his NHL debut against a team that was just rolling that night, especially a player that was rolling that night, Blake Wheeler, Mr. Hattie over there. And you send him down immediately after? What kind of message does that send? 
what I hope they told them, you know, it's not your fault, but for reasons we have to send you down. That's just odd. They did call up Tristan Jari though, and I really like Jari. And I thought once they signed Niemi in the summer, I thought Tristan Jari would see time early in the NHL this year. Because he had a really, really good year in the AHL last season. I mean, he was one of the top goalies for me. I know uh, Troy Gosnick, uh he took home the award for top goalie, but Tristan Jari was just uh, utterly fantastic. And now I have to wait a couple seconds for this spreadsheet. No, I'm screw, screw that spreadsheet. We're going right to this one. So last season in the AHL, last year, all the way down at the bottom is Wilkes-Barre. And hey, there's Tristan Jari. 45 games started. The kid was a workhorse in that. And he earned it with a .733 quality start percentage. I mean, that's just incredible. And then his goal saved above average, 23.52, with a GSAA over 60 of 0.521. That's more than half goal saved per game. And of course, that all adds up to the 23.52. And he was great in bounce-back situations as well. Five bounce-back situations. Um, four out of five of them were quality starts. And an overall save percentage of bounce-back situations of 0.950. I mean, if he had a bad game, or really bad game, the very next game, he would crush it. It's like, that bad game didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. That bad game don't happen. No, 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 no. You're going to forget about that, and you're going to remember about this really awesome game that I'm just about to perform. Boom! I performed it. How awesome was I? And relatively average workload, but, I mean, he made it work. So, I'm not surprised to see him uh, already up. He isn't off to his greatest start this year, as he's uh, currently sporting a uh, minus .347 goal save per 60, though his quality start percentage is at .6. So he's had some low games in there, but he's you know starting to come back. Bounce back situation, he's only had one so far, but it was a good one. It was a quality start. And it was a .938 save percentage. So, you know, Tristan Jarrett's working his way back up there. And now Pittsburgh's rewarding him. What happens after this, though? Are they really going to run with their uh, best goalie prospect behind Matt Murray for the rest of the season? What happens if Jari comes in relief and has a bad game? I mean, right now it looks like the Penguins don't really know what to do with their goalie system which is a little shocking because they have some good goalies in there but they're they're confused in a way I mean maybe they did kinda get a little lucky with how Jari and Fleury and uh, Murray all developed and DeSmith who earned his ELC this year all developed really caught a little bit surprised by that it, it looks like it because when you sign Auntie Niemi for just over the league minimum, uh, you're kind of showing that you don't really know what you're doing in this situation. I mean, they lost Flurry, and then their response was to uh, insulate their backup goalie with Niemi, who they really hoped would have some sort of a bounce back, but uh, you know, he he didn't. And now the Penguins are kind of in this weird situation where they have fantastic goalie prospects. Do you really want them, though, behind Matt Murray? Do you really want two under-25 goalies in the NHL? And it kind of leaves you in a situation where you're like, do we try and just run Murray and maybe give Jari a start here and there? Which doesn't make sense because that's not how he's going to develop. 
or to give Jari some games, but because the Penguins aren't playing so hot, maybe he's not going to do so hot either, and that puts you into panic mode, and you're afraid of what might happen if you put Jari in, because if you put him in a couple games, then he starts failing. It's a lot harder to you know, keep with the same goalie tandem as if you just let Murray run with it and then gave Jari every, like, every game, every 10 games or so, at least then you'd be like, oh, this is just his first game in a while. No big deal. So, I think the Penguins are in the market for a backup. Uh, I haven't seen a trade come through yet. Although, if it does, there you go. But like I mentioned earlier, uh, Deming, Hutchinson, Pickard, Hammond, they're all, all options for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, they should have they should have claimed Picard off waivers as soon as he was on there. It was ridiculous to stick with Niemi. As soon as Picard went on waivers, they should have snatched him up. And now they're in this situation where they're going to have to expend some sort of an asset for a goalie. Which goalie is that going to be? I don't know. I think it should be Pickard. He can be a stable backup. He's probably like going to be one of the best but I still like his potential in terms of a Budai type guy I think every team who has a legitimate starter should have a Budai type player behind him someone who is cool with their role can come in and deliver quality games in you know sporadic ice time and is just an all around great teammate I think that's more plus Bikert is young you can just keep him as the backup for as long as you need him. You're not going to have to recycle him in two years because he's already at 36, going on 37. He's exactly the type of backup I think you want. And he's, and while he's young, he's still not, he's not young, young like Tristan Jari or anybody else in the Penguin system. So I think he's a goalie that they're going to look at. Of course, with my luck and guessing, they'll probably get Christers Galifskis out of. Uh, the Islanders slash Bridgeport system and try him out because of what he did in 2014 Olympics. And while that game was fantastic and up to it was pretty good, uh, ever since then he's struggled and he's off to a hard struggle this year as well. So the options are out there. Uh, they could even go for an Anders Lindback who does have NHL experience. Would I though? I kind of avoid it personally. Uh, there are options out there. We'll see which ones they take. They should try and get on that sooner rather than later because at some point Jared's going to need playing time and the more that you keep him sitting on the bench behind Murray, the less playing time he's going to get in either the NHL or AHL. So, yeah. And now that we're at about the 50-minute mark, I think this is a good time to stop this and look, or not look, but, you know, wait for the next one to come out. I really enjoyed doing this one more than the other one so far. I like diving more into the stats and the breakdown of Lindsay Post's CWHL debut. It was a lot of fun. This was my most fun one so far. So I'll see you all on the flip side.